Born at Sea, raised on radio. We are out of the main. Yeah, feeling groovy. Feeling groovy. Let's groove tonight. Get into the groove. What else you got? <laughs> I got a whole bunch, but uh, oh, let's not rapid fire all of them. <laughs> we'll be done before we know it. Do, do we have a bell or anything? I don't know. I'll yeah. come up with something. All right. Well, yes. So we are talking about what makes for a, a groovy groove. A groove is sort of this uh, nebulous um, concept. You yeah, kind of know it when started, you feel it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. As I started thinking about it, it's it's kind of anti the yacht rock paradigm in the sense that people tell us with a, a scale what songs are yacht rock, which ones aren't. This is a groove is really it's on the receiver's end to decide whether it's working for them or not. Yeah, right. In the ear of the beholder, it is, or in the like the feels of the beholder. Yeah, so. We aren't really here to define what a groove is or what makes a good groove because I don't think you can exactly scientifically nail that down, but that's part of what makes a groove so interesting is there's a certain mystery about it, a human element about it that can't be defined until you hear it and go, oh yeah, that's that's working, mm-hmm. right? You know, it doesn't show up on paper necessarily. Yeah, so... I'm curious how you're going to attempt to define it without specifically defining it, because if a layperson is listening and they're like, well, what are they talking about? And would you be tempted to say, well, you're probably thinking it's basically the rhythm section, which is the bass player and the drums in most mm-hmm. cases, but it's not just that? No, right? it's not just that. And I, I do have some ways we can talk through instrumentally how things work together, and we have a lot of examples that go with that. But in a larger sense, it is a balance of, as we talk about all the time, notes and space, mm-hmm. right? You don't have a groove without space. Now, obviously, you don't have music without notes. See pop charts 2023. Yeah, I'm uh, learning a lot no, I digress. Episodes. But it's also highs and lows, you know, how, so getting into your thing about, is it more than just the bass and the drums? There's a lot of times, a lot of these grooves are a contrast to what's happening on the very bottom end, kick, drum, and bass, versus what might be happening in the middle, snare area, or even higher than that with maybe the right hand of the keyboard player or like the plucky guitars that we talk about. And how all of these elements take up a different space. And so you get these highs, these lows, and it's that up, down, tug, pull, how it all works together. That makes it groove. Now, you can't paint it by numbers and say, well, if you do this, this, and this, you've got one. But the good ones seem to have more than just, oh, that's a nice kick drum part and a nice bass drum part. Usually, there's a little more than that. Yeah. Would you say that a groove isn't refined necessarily to only say R&B or something that you might think of as funky or something because um, Fool in the Rain by Zeppelin, that has a groove, right? Mm -hmm. Would you agree? Absolutely. And I have a couple of examples that are entirely not that. And they point out that, I guess it points out both ends that yes, you can have something that grooves like that, but there's still going to be a mix of low, high, space, things like that. But they're an entirely different genre than what you would originally think when you think groove, you're going to think, like you said, R&B, maybe funk, whatever. It doesn't have to be that. So when I talk about the highs and the lows, uh, one of the things that I picked up there's gonna be a lot of references to jeff percaro in this which should be no surprise who's he yeah but percaro has talked about how he plays a little bit behind the beat with his snare and down on the you know right on the the click with his kick um and this is creating this a little bit of being late with the snare drum and this, this tug and pull 
element, but he also talks about in some of his videos the importance of how you tune the drums, particularly kick and snare, are going to have a major role in this also. He recognized that it's not just about when notes hit, but how high and how low they are. And so he gave an example, which I'll play a little bit here, is that I mocked this up and he says, if you take a, a regular straight old beat and you got a low kick drum and a low tuned snare drum, it's going to sound like this. But he said, just by playing the exact same thing and going with a snare drum that's tuned much higher, now that groove that goes from being boom, kish, boom, kish, turns into something that's more boom, bap, boom, bap, up and down, like this. So that, in and of itself, changes the feel of that drum part. Yeah. Right? So... We're looking at things that go beyond just when do the notes hit, right? Yep. Yeah, there's greater variance in that second example between what would be the high and the low. So that creates a bigger, like a waveform almost. I don't mean that literally, but so now you're taking the the groove, let's call it, wider vertically. Yes. In a and sense. You're, so you're feeling an up and down nature to mm. what's going on, mm-hmm. other than maybe that first example, which would be more like a, a plodding Al Green kind of style, yep. right? Right. So I'll go to a second example that I made here, which shows that sometimes even subtle little changes in something can make a huge difference in the groove. So again, I'm going to go stick with Jeff Burkow because I've learned so much from watching him. I used as an example a typical maybe mid-tempo ballad feel where you the drummer's using the side stick and they're going to play a kick pattern side stick on two and four just so what people who don't know what you're talking about side stick is the side of the stick on the rim of the snare yeah they lay it across the snare drum and kind of clap it down like you know the the director of a movie claps (laughs) that thing down so it sort of has that kind of stick click sound yeah so here's sort of a typical drummer's take on a mid-tempo feel like that Now, one subtle change Jeff does is just adds more notes on the kick drum. Particularly, he allows the kick drum to hit on two and four along with the side stick. And suddenly, the same exact part just gallops along and feels like this. So that's an example of something like he's done on like I'll Be Over You or Africa or countless other tunes where he's in the mid-tempo area. He constantly puts that kick drum on two and four along with the side stick. And I don't know anyone else that does that on a regular basis. And it just completely changes the groove. Yeah, it does. Definitely heard some Africa uh, hints in that second yeah, example. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so the other thing that we talk about with groove is how the bass and the bass drum work together, mm-hmm. right? We've got examples of that coming. And this came up when we discussed the doobie bounce. And the mm-hmm. doobie bounce was a case where we had the bass line isolated and noted that it was a combination of downbeats and offbeats. It was following the left hand of the keyboard player, right? Yep. And the keyboard player was playing also something that was a mix of downbeats and offbeats, syncopated against that. So with all of that going on, to lock that together, instead of trying to follow the bass line or kick along with any of these parts, 
the drums are playing straight ahead. Mm-hmm. Right? We made a note of that, and it was kind of revelatory at the time. It made me think, well, let, let's talk about something that really grooves. Now, here's an example that has a combination of big notes and big spaces, and also a combination of downbeats and offbeats, yet the drummer locking it straight. And even though this isn't R&B at all, I mean, we could take any example probably from an opening riff of ACDC. And, and with those straight drums against those guitars, it grooves. And we're not even in a genre that you would call groovy. So they're kind of taking that element that we learned about from uh, uh, What a Fool Believes. And if you want to stay sort of yacht rocky, and the one that does that is Ray Parker's The Other Woman. That gets your head bobbing right away, doesn't it? Yeah, that was ACDC, huh? Yeah. That <laughs> sure sounded like Practically. It. Yeah. And there's, there's nothing sophisticated about it, which brings me to the next part of it, that while all of these elements can exist, and they can exist for any player to mm-hmm. understand what to do, right? It's all about the, the combination of players, yeah. right? Who are these special players that come together and blend in unique ways? We talk about why did Toto often get hired maybe three of them as a rhythm section for to support somebody because of their ability to do this together. And, you know, in, infamously when Steely Dan would trot one band in and trot another one out, they didn't choose to just replace one player. They were looking for some sort of combination that they couldn't define till they heard it. Yep. But it was about how individuals took what was on paper and did something with it that you can't read off of paper. Yep. And they find their own groove. Yeah. Well, I would say put a pin in all that because I think that's all going to come up in my examples. So I think okay. I did it well, correctly. I got a couple more little things I'm going to point out. Okay. Uh, just two two quick little notes that we'll listen for as we go into our examples. Mm-hmm. Making these grooves up, whether it's, I guess this probably mostly refers to the bass player, but not entirely. There's also the combination of what notes are short and what notes are long yep. and how that is going to change feel. And... Uh, I guess this goes with it, changing from going up, playing a whole section very legato to the very next section being built out of a lot of staccato notes. And you're, it's a way of framing two different sections in a song to give them different feels. I think I'm going to get an A-plus on my All homework. Right. Well, good. Well, then uh, you want to move on to our list of our uh, our groove examples? We could. I guess yeah. it's sort of a top five. It's not the top five. We want to, I guess, make the point that we're kind of, um, we know who the obvious examples are in Yacht Rock. Right? Yeah. We know Rosanna would be one, right? We um, Yeah, we did a whole episode on Rosanna, so we're not going to go back to that one today but that's a great example of like one of the best grooves in rock and roll of all time yep and what a fool believes which i just mentioned yep so and we don't need to rehash the doobie bombs and if you want to hear a whole episode on that we have it just search the archives at out of the main.com yeah so this isn't our necessarily mount rushmore's of so we do want you to tell us what grooves you think are the best yeah you know not not what we missed because we know that there's too many Right. For us to do them all. So, love to hear what people have to add to this inside or outside of the Yacht Rock realm. Yes. Give us your best grooves. Um, most of mine are... And why. Re- and why. Yes. yes. Yep. Uh, 
I will say all of mine are at least yacht relevant. I can't say they're all yacht rock, but okay. mine are yacht relevant. So um, I, maybe I get an extra star on my homework. Well, I've been yakking away. Why don't you get started then? All right. So loosely defined, we talked about originally this being like top five groups, which mm-hmm. is not exactly what either one of well, us we did. we figured we'd have to talk about the obvious ones. Yes, for exactly. So I kind of have a mixture of, I'll start with uh, one end of the mix. And this is sort of a categorical groove. So one of my favorite categories or subgenres of groove is yacht disco. Sure. So yacht disco to me is defined by it's not exactly yacht rock. It's kind of too slow to dance to, right? Is yep. that there with that too slow to disco? Too slow to thing? disco. Yeah. So that gives it that's the yacht element. Right. But they're Bringing in, these artists would bring in elements of disco at the time, and you almost have to imagine that there was such a thing as Yacht Rock at the time, mm-hmm. because they're saying, let's import some of this disco and let's mix it with Yacht Rock. Right. I have three examples here. All right. And consistent among all of them, I just want you to listen to, uh, listen to, now put on your headphones, we'll do a quick break here, visit out of the main.com uh, while you're waiting. So if you have headphones on, you're going to be able to hear that a feature of Yacht Disco Groove is in the left ear, you're hearing one maybe plucky rhythm guitar part, yep. and on the right, a different plucky or strummy rhythm guitar part. You've got a very Yacht Rock sounding bass line, and you've got a very simple groove. So let me start with Guilty by Babs and Barry Gibb. Yeah, and you notice in that when the rhythm section parts are all playing short bits, like the the guitar, both left and right, um, the bass, and even the Rhodes is kind of playing short notes. And then you got that smooth pad string-like thing that's sort of gluing it together. Yep, which is, I think, a disco element and sometimes frowned upon by the Yacht Rock purists. Yep. But that is an element of Yacht Disco. And then did you hear, though, how the left and the right rhythm parts are pl- that is i think what's giving it the groove they're, they're somewhat the same but they're not exactly the same. Exactly. one is not a double of the other no they're not doing exactly the same thing and again if you hear it on phones you're like "Ooh, i'm kind of bopping back and forth right. and that's where i get my groove so that's a kind of a slower groove uh similar thing happening let's go to another gib andy gib on i just want to be your everything For so long you and me been finding each other for so long that I feel for you is more than stronger. Take it from me. If you give a little more than you're asking for, your love will take Yeah, again, I hear the two guitars in there. Yep. Um, you got sort of that disco shuffle going on in the hi-hat. You know, it's it's not playing straight 16th. You know, so bringing that in from the Yacht Rock, nice bass line. And again... You know, mix of shorts and longs in that bass line. And then the left and right guitar things. Yeah. Kind of not yep. exactly going on. All right. Last example. Let's bring in all the uh, Gibbs and bring in uh, who we're leaving out so far, Robin. Yeah. The Bee Gees. This is just a killer disco, yacht disco groove. Love you inside out. Definitely, and that is a too slow to disco yacht gem. That's it's sort of reminiscent of one of the songs on my list. So, but so in all those cases, though, that's 
I, those are three different grooves, but that's like a category of groove that to me is so infectious. It's like, oh yeah, it's all right. Well, I've got one on my list that is right from that feel. And Ooh, this, is right. a, this is probably the most obvious one from my list and probably could have been one that we skipped okay. because it's been talked about a lot, but I think it's worth revisiting because baseline is iconic. It's got all that great disco ambience that roads and there's marimba in here. There's these echoey guitar rips, organ slices, <laughs> uh, people chattering in the background. The claps are kind of sloppy off the beat. Do you know what song I'm talking about? This is a quintessential groove, and that's Herb Alpert's Rise. <laughs> now, yes. that, is, that falls right in there. But note when I drop this in here, I'm going to play a little bit of the intro so you can hear all that sloppy goodness I was talking about. But notice that the hi-hat part does not come in until the melody does. Which is an interesting take. Yeah, you can't go wrong. I lose Johnson on the bass if I'm yeah, mistaken. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. knows how to groove. Boy. <laughs> All right. Well, that was one of your five? Or just to add on to mine? Five, yeah. Okay. You want to do another one? Yeah, we'll, we'll snake draft it. All right. I'm still go. doing the snake draft. Yeah. Are we? Uh, I, I had to pick something that I guess defined Toto, even though we said we were going to eschew Rosanna. Mm-hmm. But to me, you know, this song defines their ability to groove and it it's sort of feels like one of those examples where you can write it down on paper but until you get the right guys together playing it it's just going to feel like oh okay but when you make the toto guys play it the groove to 99 So that is Picaro. That is Hungate. Hungate on bass, right? Okay. Yep. And obviously Luke, Luke and mm-hmm. Paige. And, yeah. Um, but it just that that just feels so right. But I don't, you know, I don't know how other than I know who. I guess. Yeah. Yeah, and I, you can imagine a cover band doing that. They could all be expert musicians, but it wouldn't have that feel. It wouldn't have that groove. No, and I wonder if it still has that groove now. You know. Yeah. Because you'd obviously you don't have Jeff and right. Um, you don't have Mike or Hungate with them. So. Yep. Interesting. All right. That's a very good groove. All right. Back to you. So uh, my next sort of category of groove is the slow jam, right? Mm -hmm. Everyone's got to have a slow jam. Mm -hmm. Yacht Rock has one of the finest slow jams there is. Mm -hmm. And I'm speaking, of course, of After the Love Has Gone by Earth, Wind, and Fire. So what I want you to... I'm curious what commentary you might have. Here's what sticks out to me. So I'm talking about the B section of this as being the best part of the groove. Okay. So after the kind of the verse starts and now it's going into a new area and you've talked about how this B section starts to change key centers. And so going back to what you said at the beginning, it's not just necessarily the rhythm section, but to me, there's a bunch of things happening at once for one, the multiple key change or key center changes and movements is adding this, anticipation yes. of where are we going? Because you know it's going to land somewhere, you but know it's, it hasn't. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So meanwhile, this sets up, I think, is where I get the A on my homework. This is sort <laughs> of like a three-act play. Ooh. Listen for the short staccato bass notes. Oh, 
And then as the B section goes into a second bit after a key change, the bass parts are a little bit longer and you get a little bit of run in between those notes. So again, put on your headphones so you're hearing all this. And then it pays off and it releases in the chorus. Sixteenths are added on the hi-hat. There's more space being filled in by the bass. And now the key sort of tension has resolved and all of it's just a perfect groove. Oh yeah, building to something, building block by building block, and then it adds up to something that's actually a little bit different than the parts that were being assembled. Exactly. And everything I just mentioned, I think, is so subtle, but when you really pay attention to it and appreciate it, that's what's creating the groove. All of those elements together. Do well, I get an A so far? That's an A+. Plus, yeah. Okay, good. Especially Sweet. because I have an Earth, Wind, and Fire tune on my five. Ooh, let's go to it. Entirely outside of the Yacht Rock realm, but this is clearly in the funk realm, but man... It, it, unfortunately, it's a very small part of this particular song, but there ain't no groove to me like the uh, intro section of Fantasy. So what do you hear going on there? Oh. So much goodness, man! You got those stabs like on the there are on the um, anticipation on the off beats, you know, mm-hmm. and then you got the bass locking it down, and then that upper guitar snappy thing working against the bass line. It's like woo, and the drums are fairly straight. Yep, it's funny though; those stabs sort of interrupt the groove, yeah. and then it makes you appreciate when you're back in it more. Yeah, and then when it kind of bleeds into where the the, the vocal starts and yeah. the verse, then you get a whole nother feel and another groove. It's like it settles down into something smooth. Yep. Yeah, oh, that's yeah, yeah. so good. Cool, man. All right, we might have to do an episode on just Earth, Wind, and Fire. Okay. All right, artist focus. <laughs> All right, do you? Uh, let's go to your, I guess, three number three, whether we're counting down or up. Um, I'm not doing them in any particular order. I'm just kind of picking them as they seem relevant. So okay. this one seems relevant next. This is a perfect example of low, middle, and high all doing something different at different times mm-hmm. in the you know the one, two, three, four of each measure. They all have their place. But it all assembles into something really killer. So you'll note that when I play this, you'll hear the vocal line, then horn stabs, then this little keyboard bass climb. All of that in one bar. And mm-hmm. they each have their own space. And it's just, this is such a great groove. This is uh, cool in the gang. Look, uh, let's go dancing. Ooh la la. Mm. Great. Like you say, space. Everyone's kind of got their own little, uh, like, maybe a micro measure to do your thing, and then somebody else will take it over. It's all being glued together by the straight, sort of modified reggae guitar part and very straight drums. Yep. Yep. Well, am I allowed a bonus groove then? There always seems to be something that has to glue it together. You notice that as we're talking about it, whether it's pads or straight drums or something, there's always a glue factor. Absolutely. Okay, but yes. What was your question? uh, I'll get back to my question. Just comment on your addendum there. Is that it's not 
as we've been talking about, it's it's very often that it's not the drums that are establishing the groove. It, it <laughs> can be. I know it can be, but that's it's yeah. true. Yeah. All right. So I was uh, requesting a bonus groove because oh, bonus groove. Ooh. What made my uh, it was like sixth on my list. It didn't make the but cut. But now it's relevant. Too hot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Moving on to my number three. Okay. Counting down for five. This category is called, I'm calling it anyway, Yacht Chill. Mm. And by this, I mean, this is a very straightforward, mellow groove. So think of the song, How Long by Ace. Yeah. How that just kind of plods along, Mm -hmm. right? Now, that's not groovy or rhythmic in any way. It's just a groove. Right. It's just straight. If Looks Mm -hmm. Could Kill by Player has a similar one. But the master class in this is If I Saw You by Pages. So again, it's very basic beat. The yeah. bass player's not doing anything crazy. Um, the the Rhodes is just kind of establishing the... Well, that's what ties back to my Let's Go Dancing thing, okay. where the bass plays certain on like counts one and two, uh, down, you know, and then the roads in the right hand comes in on three and four. So it's boom, 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 jah, jah, boom, 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 jah, jah. So they're breaking up the bar into who is up front. Yeah. So, go so, ahead. but th- th- this this section in general is kind of the example of the genre, which is like you can have a groove and be totally mellow and in the pocket yeah. and just give a vibe. Doesn't have to blow you away. It right? doesn't. But if I saw you, does blow you away because there are three additional grooves in the song that we have to check out. Holy moly. So it establishes that as your bass line, but when it goes into the chorus, it adds bass guitar on notes one, two, three, and four, which gets it to start driving, and then you've got this counter syncopation by the hi-hat groove. So listen to this part of the groove. Yeah, a little modified disco feel, actually. Yeah. Yep. So, but it doesn't feel like you're in a new song, but you are in a new groove. Then, the part three of this awesome groove comes where we're coming out of the bridge at around two minutes. I've referenced this before as a buried treasure. It's a key change and a groove change that sets up the guitar solo. So, listen to the left turn the song takes here. Yeah, that's an entirely different pattern they're playing underneath for that section. Yeah, and different different uh, chord progression. You've got some wire choir there, which yeah. is beautiful. But not to be outdone by part four. <laughs> Again, this is a master class in groove building. You get through another chorus, and then you have this vamp section at the end, which is yet another chord progression, another groove. And it acts sort of as a Rhodes solo for the fade out. But check out how busy the bass is getting and how much groovier the groove is as a result. Grooveth yeah. the fourth. Yeah, do we like pages at all? <laughs> oh, I see. yeah, that feels like they've gone into a little bit of fusion land there. Yeah, that's, that's cool. Yeah. Anyway, master class and groove development. I would agree. All right, so does that give me number two then? 
Uh, I guess so. I've only got one left, so I don't know where the count got off. But uh, I don't know. Maybe you only brought four. Uh, no, I got five. I'm looking at them. Okay. Uh, well, then let me do uh, number two. Is what better groove than to talk about what I will call the typical yacht rock groove? And by this, I mean, and we've gone into this before. So the halftime shuffle. Mm-hmm. Um, you've typically the bass player avoids count two and four like the bubonic play, but not always. <laughs> not always. But yeah, um, filling. You know. Yeah, I say a lot of times when I'm talking about this specific yacht rock group, it is the palm mutes that give it the groove. Yeah. Um, and the bass player, I'm sorry, the drummer isn't always playing specifically a halftime shuffle, but even when he's playing straight, it sounds like a halftime shuffle because of what the palm mutes are doing. Let's start with the uh, king of the category. We're in this love together. Al Jarreau. It's like a diamond ring. It's a precious thing. And we never want to lose it. It's like a favorite song that we love mm, Yeah. You know, I was always talk about the, the pluckies when they're played like that. That's They're like um, tonal congas or bongos you know it's a, it's taking on a percussive aspect but also adding the tonal you know chord definition yep well that's just another quick example the girl is mine and then finally look who's lonely now by bill labonte I knew there'd be some LeBounty in the list. It had to be. I mean, that whole album, I, I could have said Living It Up. I could have yeah. said Dream On or whatever. That's, just did. That's the Yacht Rock groove. And yeah. there's, there's no mistake in it. No in mistake my mind. in it. Yep. All right. What's your number one or whatever, your last one? And I'll do well, my, my last one. one raises the question and uh, can a drum machine groove? Ooh. And mostly I would say no. Mm-hmm. Now, it can provide, if you are going to have a really great groove, it can provide the straight. If you wanted to play the straight, we talk about things that need to glue it together. Mm-hmm. Um, but can it play an active role in creating the groove? And I'm going to submit that that is the case. Mm-hmm. In, in a, but it required so much special attention that Prince or, or and or the time mm-hmm. uh, brought in one of the great funk drummers of all time to program Ooh. the Lin LM1. The LM1 was a little more crude than even what we know as the Lin drum little more difficult to program and you're also locked into whatever quantization factors the drum machine will allow there's no in-betweens a la human feel right it's, it's a b c or d or something like yeah. that you know um but they brought in the great david garibaldi from tower of power to <laughs> program the lm1 i don't know why or how or even if that's 100 percent true but i've read it in multiple places and this is the greatest drum machine programming of all time and i will not take on any comers because it would just be a wipeout this is not uh this this is seven 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 nine three eleven Well, the uh, rhythm guitar is certainly doing uh, a lot of the yeoman's work for the the groove there. But, yeah, it's adding yeah. like the mid because the hi hat yeah, is doing true. the high and the kick and bass are doing the low. 
but it's an example of what the uh, the funk guys went through the, um, this period. That was well, when funk started as a very heavy one, two, three, and four, or one and three, uh, sort of where the accent goes in the rhythm. You know, boom, crack, ba boom, crack. Even the yacht rock groove, right? But there's always the contrarians in the crowd, and so mm. people started developing this idea of doing something other than landing on one. So a lot of times that became landing on that 16th note right before one or some other variation. And this is a perfect example of them avoiding one. It's called the one drop feel. Yes. It was developed out of the reggae scene. Uh, Sly and Robbie developed this uh, thing called one drop where mm. you don't hit anything on one. Nobody hits on one. Mm, right? Interesting. And so it creates that lift right after one all the yep. time. And this is a great example of that. Yep. And reggae's got its own groove going yeah. back to that. Yeah. All right. All right, so to wrap this whole thing up, I had to dip into the groove bag, and I think I've got the best groove of Yacht Rock. Hmm. I think I've got the number one groove, perhaps, in the history of rock and roll. I bet you do. I keep forgetting. Yeah, it's the one. So, obviously, that bass line, Lewis Johnson, unmistakable, paired with the great Percara, which, as per usual, as you mentioned, he starts with the side stick mm -hmm. at the mm -hmm. beginning. But I want to have you play it one more time and then have people listen for certain things. So, going back to, well, you can help me with this, because going back to what you said at the very beginning, so you've got um, this really unmistakable bass line kind of anchoring establishing the groove the drums are fairly straightforward his rhythm is fairly straightforward mm -hmm. other mm -hmm. than the kick drum is following the bass line yeah right yeah. and it's a yeah it's very much a Procaro feel though no one else plays like that yep the palm mutes yeah lucather right mm -hmm. adds so much and then you've got this the the pads in the ep in the e or the sorry the electric piano just yeah. holding down chords just staying out of the way in a lot of ways, that is a summation of everything we talked about. It is. Um, Short, longs, high, lows, you know, blue. The brilliance of how they constructed this, too, this, this final thing to listen to is everyone knows that head, they're like, doom, 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 right? right? So when it comes back to one, you would expect that to happen again. But after the turnaround, listen to this, put your headphones on, remember, listen to this Lewis Johnson sort of bass fill. That comes in at one, again, not accenting the one, so it's doing a little bit of what you just said, but you're going to hear this, mm, do, 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 mm, 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 mm. okay, listen for that. So very subtle, very, I don't even know if people could hear it on when they're listening to the podcast, but very subtle, tasty fill, um, which is setting up the next sort of section. He comes back to this motif. So when you get to the end, when it's the girls are all singing, I keep forgetting, right? Yep. He'll repeat that line, mm -hmm. that bass line, until we get to the fade out. And it's my favorite part of the song. I've mentioned it. What is it, John? Oh, it's the part with the Percaro kicks. And how, listen to how that plays off nearly that same exact fill. It just changes the whole tenor of the fade out. Yep. Mm. Is there a better groove in your mind than I keep forgetting? Not in the yacht rock world. 
Nope. What about in the pop rock world? Mm, I might search long and hard, but... Uh, so it's up there anyway. Absolutely. In the pantheon. All it's right. A, you know, it's one of those first things that come to mind. Granted, we've been studying this genre, but it's one of the first ones that popped to mind. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, we got the groove. We got the lightning. All right. Uh, why don't you go first for... Found at sea. Well, my found at sea is lost at sea. Oh, because okay. it was something that I wanted to ask you guys about when we were talking about the David Sanborn stuff and uh, listener Mike, podcaster Mike. Yeah. Well, now was, he's listener Mike again. Okay, though. back to listener Mike. He he wasn't as hot on that Change of Heart album mm-hmm. from Sanborn, so I put this uh, question back in the bag. But what about that intro groove of Chicago song? What is it that makes that? Grooved. Am I missing something? Because it grooves like crazy. I think it's the Marks Miller baseline myself. Yeah, it's getting some help from the guitar and the clavy, synthy stuff. But man, I think that's an amazing groove, and I can't quite figure out why because there's almost nothing special going on. Certainly not the drums. Yeah, and that's was that drum machine at that point? I guess not. I thought it was. Sounds like but it. there is a drummer credited. I forget who it was. Sammy Figueroa or something he could be like triggering that. some synthetic sounds. Perhaps. Right, probably right. was at least the kick. All right, so my found at sea comes via the viewer mailbag. <laughs> Mails in. All right, so one of our latest supporters. Listener Evan, now supporter Evan. So thank you very mm. much, uh, supporter Evan. Yeah, you get a free name change with it, too. <laughs> you do. Not only that, you get pushed to the head of the queue. You do. You so do. he's got priority. So he says, hey, Tom and John, I've been a listener for about two years now, and have finally gotten around to becoming a supporter of the podcast. Anyways, I've discovered an unrated Robbie Dupree buried treasure that I've been itching to get your input on. Now, I, I, this is me talking. I'm wondering if this has been rated, just isn't on the website. Because it's the track in question is I'll Be the Fool Again from the Street Corner Heroes album, Robbie Dupree, released in 81. What do y'all think of I'll Be the Fool Again? <laughs> I really like that tune. Now, once it kicks in, to me, I get a almost a Toto vibe out of it. Oh, you know? It's funny you should say that. Yeah. But uh, before we go there, so yeah, I mean, I love everything off those first two albums. I don't think- Top to bottom, yeah. And I love that. What would you call that time signature? Is that 6-8, 12-8? Yeah, 12-8, Yeah, I call it 12-8. What's the- di- Well, you nerd- can tell me off air what the difference is. It's really just an interpretive thing. It's a yeah. groove unto itself. Um, it's not one that I- always have a huge penchant for because no. i tend to associate it with like straight shuffle yeah it's like a shuffle with the add extra triplet added in yeah so, yeah it also brings me back to like earth angel and the basic yeah. rhythms of the 50s <laughs> you know it's like that was a big thing he might have been going for that actually in that yeah song, but go ahead so but you said it reminded you of toto so let's get into my buried treasure okay. which is a buried treasure i once uh labeled it a buried treasure and that is toto's make believe so also at 12 8 but since we're talking about grooves, 
that past song that we just heard just kind of plods along and it's nice and whatever. Listen to now we've got Jeff Beccaro and mm-hmm. would it have been Paige on the piano and who on bass though? Still Hungate. Hungate still yeah. on bass. Listen to how tight the bass is with the bass guitar and listen to how that takes that groove that we just heard from the Dupree song and actually makes it rhythm and and groovy. Yeah, we also did, if people want to look back, a, a total four album focus where we covered each song in yep. detail. Yeah, But see, the bass player and then hooking up so tight with the kick drum creates space for other things to establish groove. And the piano, constant piano on top is sort of the glue element. It's sort of right? the glue, yep. So the buried treasure is the uh, the precision with which that rhythm section creates that groove. All right, well, I'm going to quickly drop a buried treasure from uh, 1983. George Benson from the In Your Eyes album. Uh, this has uh, some nice personnel on it. Shaka Khan, Robbie Buchanan, Paul Jackson Jr., Will Lee on bass, Carlos Vega on drums, bringing the groove on this tune called Love Will Come Again. That's a song based on on groove because it doesn't do a whole lot. A little bit of soloing, a little bit of vocal dropped in, but it's not like a verse chorus format kind of tune. Yep, that, and that is a buried treasure for me. I wasn't familiar with that tune, mm. um, but again, straight drums and still groovy as all get out together, baby. Yep. All right. Well, I am going to. Oh, you have off the map, don't you? I do. My off the map is a another Percaro thing. Super slow, almost halftime shuffle feel. Uh, it's really interesting because then the hi-hat is playing a much faster pattern than you would associate with this tempo. And I'm going to go uh, to a section here on the chorus, and you'll notice how as the chorus comes in, they add this tambourine on the offbeats to mm. give that lift. Because it's so slow, it needs something to accelerate it as you get to the chorus. So again, we were talking about lows and highs and also on beats and off beats, how these things work together to create feel. So the feel changes simply by adding that tambourine. So no tempo change, but the activity level changes. Yeah. Right? It's, it's a result. The groove changes. Yep. Oh, that's a good one. 
All right. Uh, so I guess I'm going to go way off the map, if Good you don't you, mind. Man. But it's a callback to what you said at the beginning about changing the tuning of the snare drum, right? Uh-huh. So it's so off the map, it's Jack Johnson. Whoa. So surfer dude, at least, yeah. from the West Coast. So yeah, You've <laughs> but, actually brought him in once before, a long time have ago. Have I, really? I think so, a long I, time I think ago. you're right, as a matter of fact, just because of his, his feels. Anyways, his first record, and a lot of his stuff, it's it's characterized by very sparse arrangements, mm-hmm. but that's kind of the, the feel. Um He's got this one song off the first album, though. Again, a very sparse arrangement. The entire record is mixed that way, but with this loud, boomy, like highly gated snare drum, which just pops off the mix at you. (laughs) And I can't decide if it's intentionally perfect or just wrong. (laughs) But what he's got is the song. uh, It's called It's All Understood. And listen to how the sound of the snare is established with this big gate in this full sort of EQing. And then... We're going to fast forward to about a minute where it evolves, and because the snare drum, I don't think it's tuned differently, it's just being EQ'd and affected differently, how the whole feel of the tune changes, even in its sparseness. Here we go. Even if we don't understand, then let's all just believe. Because the news was spread all yeah, that's two entirely different snares. It, yeah. Wow. Do you think it is actually two different snares? Definitely. So it's, it's like a piccolo EQ. or something in it, there? Yeah. 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 Huh, interesting. So yeah, change a little bit of the snare and the whole song feels different. Indeed. All right. Well, what do you have to say for yourself? Ahoy, Palooza. Break of a new day. A light 